0: Hello and welcome back to the Comic Literate Podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels, and mangas. I'm your host, as soon to be known as Comic Standard, with me always is my frightening co-host, it's Jamie. How you doing? Never do that again. (laughs) I'm doing it. I'm doing it next year. (laughs) Yeah so basically i need to find some way out of doing this podcast in the next 12 months to prevent that ever happening to me again what is with the mixed messages because last week you yes you gave me too much of a good thing you let me have you let me have ice cream for breakfast and i'm like mom i feel a bit sick a child never, the child never blames the ice cream for feeling sick. <laughs> Mum's like, are you are right." all right? It's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. It's just, it wasn't the ice cream. It was it's was something else. You it was clearly one like, reflective enough as a child. No, Ryan. we've all had that mate who's been like, oh, I had that one kebab. And it really well, gave me a funny stomach at the end of the night. It's like, are you sure it wasn't the 10 pints? It's like, no, no, it was, it was definitely the kebab. It was the kebab at the end of the night. Hey, I've been that guy and it is always the kebab. We've all been that guy and it's never the
1: kebab. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's almost never the kebab, despite... <laughs> Despite the state of some kebab places. <laughs> so there is one in Norwich. There is this spot in Norwich that I've been ordering pizza from for years. I will not name it. Just in case it gets flooded by comic book fans <laughs> internationally. Yeah, absolutely. It becomes like a spot. But it's a, it's a kebab place in Norwich that does two for one pizzas. I think I know what you mean, but go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, What's all about our fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been ordering from there for years... Like maybe since I graduated uni and came back to Norwich, that would be like a solid decade now. And about five or six years ago, a girlfriend took me in there. And bear in mind, I'd never set foot in the place. I'd always either called them up or used Just Eat. But I started long enough ago that I used to call them. Mm. And I stepped foot in the place and I was like, oh, this is fucking foul. I'm not eating here. She was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, it's got a one hygiene rating and look at the place. It's disgusting. And she looked at me and went, Jamie, this is your favorite pizza place you've <laughs> been ordering from here for years. And I'd never seen it and I never knew where it was. Do you know what the best thing is? What? I got a pizza. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and I and you know what? It's a fucking roll of the dice as to whether or not that place gives me the shits. And I still, I still order from there. I mean, that's the next level because <laughs> I can understand like poor hygiene rating and like depends at what point in the evening that you might be. You know, the fact that you're tempting the idea of a kebab place at all normally means some people are bit down the rabbit hole already. Anyway, but yeah, it's back to the intro that I was doing this in the first place was. Uh, because this is the last of this first year's spooky season. It's the last. It's the it's Halloween today. Happy Halloween! It's not quite today because it comes out on the Monday, and Halloween's on Wednesday or oh, Thursday. Okay. So, we're what close. Else? It's the one before Halloween. Can you see how deflated I am? <laughs> Always, but this one is. It was just after the Halloween weekend, so people doing Halloween pies would have done them just after, just before this one comes out. Yeah. Whenever, whenever, however far in advance we're doing this episode or not. So, because most of you are comic book fans, I would like to propose a competition, and whoever wins, I will send you a highly coveted comic literate medal. So it's the We're comi- getting medals made. It's happening. It's the Comic Literate Costume Contest. So what I want you to do is, to the email address, send us photographs of your comic book-themed Halloween outfits... Mm. and then ryan and i will judge them and we'll send a medal out to the winner and if no one's brave enough to send in their costumes we'll just have to keep the medal for ourselves and just proudly display it as a winning by default yeah and that would be a really sad day i really want to send the medal to someone so hey, wins a win like i'll take a a win by technical (laughs) you know i'll I'll take it by comicliterate gmail.com send in your comic book themed halloween outfits and the only rule is no costumes that might get you cancelled or fired from your job No, but that's its own category. (laughs) I mean, put it this way, if you you think a costume might get you (laughs) cancelled or fired, probably best not to do it. (laughs) But no, so let's say you need to have your entries in by a week after this episode goes live. So whenever this episode goes live, whatever date that is, a calendar week after then you need to have your entries in. By the 6th of November. Because we'll have a recording. And then we will we will look through them when we record together and we'll see what happens. And because Jamie will be in charge of getting the medal, you either might get it as soon as possible afterwards or you might get it 2025. Like yeah, it's it one of those between it those depends on what my ADHD is saying. That exactly. Day, doesn't it? <laughs> Could be one or the other. And that's what makes it the most magical season of the year because Absolutely. you get it by Christmas.
1: <laughs> like,
0: oh, yeah. The Halloween thing. And so I'm not psyched about this week, Ryan. I'm going to be honest with you. I can understand why. Um, I think your reservations are very well founded. Um, having started this comic, uh, it wasn't very good. No, and but <laughs> but there's some interesting tidbits. I think of the larger franchise that's a part of that. I think we're going to get into. So we're talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. And specifically, we're talking about a comic book adaptation of a novel, the first novel yeah. that was released by the creator of the original so Five I know, Nights games. So I know that much. Mm. What the fuck? Like, I've heard of Five Nights of Freddy's, obviously, but I could have sworn I heard about it in the context of, like, a series of YouTube videos. So that's how it gained mainstream popularity. But it's a video game, right? So it's a video game that was popularized because... So the first game, for anyone who doesn't know... The first game, Five Nights at Freddy's, is basically a game entirely built around a jump scare mechanic. So the actual plot of the game is you play a security guard who has been hired for the night shift at this Five Nights at Freddy's, right? I can't remember if the Five Nights at Freddy's is already derelict and empty by this point or if it's active, or whatever. I right. think it's active in the game. But the point is you're the night... You're the night security guard. Yeah. And the other security guard, the day guard, you would assume, kind of leaves a message of like, hey, it's your first night here, you know, make sure to watch the uh, the cameras and, you know, conserve the power to keep the cameras looking. And uh, you can also close the doors if you need to. And the reason you might need to is, well, we got the animatronics here, and they like to wander around at night sometimes. And uh, that's not that bad. But if they do see you, they might think that you're a... uh, A costume without an exoskeleton inside of it so they might try and shove an exoskeleton down your throat or they might try and shove you into a costume thinking that you are the exoskeleton either way it'll be a violent death for you so make sure to stay away keep them away from you by closing the doors which somehow also require battery usage to keep the doors closed it's a it's a fault of the logic of the game, <laughs> but it does feed oh. into the whole mechanic. Anyway, the point is you. It's you, all so dumb. Yes, and this is a I should stress this is a young adult franchise of kind of horror or horror adjacent. I mean, involves dead yeah. kids, so it's it's definitely in that. I don't know if that requires a trigger warning or what. Why is it that everything we've read for Spooky Season involves dead kids in some capacity? I think it. I mean, well, Maniac didn't. Um, no. Neighbor, the neighbors uh didn't kind the dead kids. I mean, not technically. Yeah. I mean, no kids died, so that's that's a plus. <laughs> um and what else did we do? We did oh harrowing, very dead teenager stressing, like yeah. very, very on that. Uh Spider-Man, just the death of a franchise <laughs>
1: and a comic book character. <laughs>
0: One more day. And this is the very this is a very heavy dead kid themed franchise. But what I will say is I would debate it or not. Does this deserve like a trigger warning or not? Does it require one? And I think it's it's such like a crazy fantastical world of like kids' souls of children inhabiting animat- animatronic. I'm gonna ruin that word in a while. Animatronics. Yeah, well done. Um, and that's kind of and there's a it's. I think it goes a bit too fantastical. Like it's not close enough rooted in reality, and this comic sure as hell isn't. Uh, yeah. to require anything like that but the main thing is that games first started and then basically youtubers uh would play the game and you know um broadcast themselves playing it and getting scared by it so it grew in popularity that way oh no i thought that they made like a short like a series of youtube videos set in the world like a dramatization kind of thing about it I'd uh, not that i know of so the most famous points is known is people playing in the game and on youtube yeah most famously Markiplier is like the king of Five Nights serves a player Markiplier yeah (laughs) Yeah. and then you've got the the lore side because within these games and there's like seven or eight of them out now yeah they would have this backstory lore that would come through through like you know subtle ways that became way less subtle as the way so is Charlie part of the lore then I mean within the book lore which is its own kind of part of everything right so the books, in the, games. The, the books and the games aren't canon then they don't There's, form one there set are canon. literally hours of youtube videos that debate whether stuff is canon or not oh and God, i know that those, because i watch watched it? them <laughs> are you have you played the games then are you i've a fan? not i've not played the games i'm not a fan of just jump scare mechanic based games by the yeah. way if you can hear meowing it's the cat I mean, I don't know what else it could possibly be. You probably know that already. But for any new listeners, there is a cat that meows. Yeah, she and she's very vocal today. Yes. So you're going to hear her throughout the episode. There's worse things to hear in the background of a podcast. We, yeah. we could be eating, like, crisps or something, <laughs> which would be far worse. So generally, I make an effort to keep her quiet today. That's just not an option, unfortunately. Yeah, so she there's is, meowing in the background. Yeah, and, and it will get louder and it will get quieter. Um, Me taking her into hand is the way to keep her out of the way as much as possible. Yes. So we're just going to have to deal with that in this episode, unfortunately. Not, not swatting at mic leads <laughs> or,
1: uh,
0: or the microphones themselves. But yeah, so there's there's loads of lore-based YouTube videos. Uh, the ones I watch are from Game Theory, Pat. And the reason is the reason I watch them at all is at the beginning, I was like, Oh, they've put this like back interesting backstory into this like simple game, yeah. like horror game. And you know me, anything horror based, I'm like, let's, yeah, let's have a get yeah. And it's just gotten so ridiculous. The main guy writes it, so one of the authors we're about to talk about a guy called Scott Cawthon. He yes. made the first game just as a kind of like, here's an indie game I've made. Like like millions are made every year. I don't know. Yeah. If the, I don't know if that statistic is correct. There's but a bunch of a them. bunch of them made every year. This one just got a bit of traction. And is now a successful franchise that has a film coming out, like an actual big budget film. Well, this is the thing. My research mostly went down the rabbit hole of they've really struggled to get a script together for this film. Yes. And probably the reason for that is because the actual lore of the games and just the games alone, not even counting the books. It's not even dense. It's all over the place. (laughs) It's it's in like eras. And it's only begun for like 10 years. But it's in like... (laughs) Well, it started in 2014, so we're eight years in. So it's in, like, eras, and there's so many, like, unpaid-off things, and there's things that are never, like dedicated like solved or addressed or explained yeah. so there's so many things that fans are like arguing about each other like this character is from is this younger one from earlier like that's the one from the, the bite of 85 and that's that character grown up now and that one's the dead but the soul of that one went into that animatronic and there's actually two souls that mix together like it's just Jesus that constantly wet. and the, it, it's fine if you want to go that complex but you kind of either need to like either pay stuff off or at least the speculation isn't like the main like uh, give, give your fans just... areas to speculate, but it's not like the root thing, you know. It's a lot of it just headcanon for people. Then it, it must ca- be. it has to be because there's so many blank opening parts. Like there's there's mysteries raised in these some of these games, and then they're just again never paid off or never, <laughs> and not not through lack of like like they're forgotten about. Like they're hinted at afterwards. Yeah, but it's basically what's happened is I think this guy Scott Cawthorn, just never anticipate it being as successful as it has been i think he thought oh this one's been really successful i'll get another couple out of it so he did like two and three and they're very similar and the mechanics are very same again just more of the same right yes like people like this i'm going to give them more of it exactly but built on a bit there's a you know natural sequel kind of things and they build on that story and then there's like the next era starts where there's like a new levels of these games and there's a whole nother kind of story based on the Way the previous one ended, if you can call it ended, like that's a right. strong term for this franchise. And now we're in like the third era of it. Um, basically to sum up, the first era, very magic-based souls of kids based There's also a metal that conducts souls or personalities that make the animatronics. There's <laughs> there's a couple of uh, inventors oh, Ryan, who started just... the franchise, and one of them was a good guy, maybe maybe Charlie's dad. The other one's the bad guy who we see in the this comic, Security Guard days. Yes. And who by the way? Sure. The moment we meet Dave with his spiral eyes. Mm. It's so obvious that he's the fucking it's killer. Pretty isn't evil, it? yes. Yeah, like the moment you meet him with his spiral eyes and his like wide-eyed glare, you're like, yeah, there's something wrong with that guy. And here's another thing. This comic, the fact that he is the killer and then dies completely puts a spanner in the the game's like back because the first thing you in the game you play the security guard, right? No, so <sighs> The th- leading theory is,
1: <laughs> oh put it this no. way, Anytime
0: you ask any question, I'm going to have to recall which YouTube video explained which part and then give you like a, a briefer synopsis. Oh
1: God, Ryan. In the first game, the this? leading theory is
0: that you're the son of the bad guy <laughs> and you're kind of trying to fix his mistakes. But here's right. the thing. Here's the thing. If we take this book as this comic book adaptation of apparently a New York Times bestseller, which... I've never been more fascinated to read a book than I am to try and read this New York Times bestseller to see how close the dialogue is to this comic book. Like, I would love to know how close it is. I mean, something doesn't need to be good to be popular. No. And bestseller can obviously just mean a lot of people bought it, which is fair enough. Well, that's exactly what. But I feel it like the means. New York Times might, you know, read this book and be like, we can't put our name to this. Like, well, but. If if the dialogue is the same as a comic but I should stress that that's not how the New York Times bestseller list works. I mean, I think as far as I can tell it's not exactly rigorous like I think people could buy to be on it or stuff. But... No, it's literally just how many books you sell. Right, but the New York Times like they don't they, they don't have well, if I was them I wouldn't have an ownership to be like if like some really bad book or uh if a really I don't think the word controversial book was like number one bestseller i wouldn't if i was a new york times i wouldn't be eager to be like put new york times bestseller on it do you know what i mean like well, surely they have some choice like whether to endorse a book or not no because they're not endorsing it it's just it is a list of which books are selling the best in america all right so if that's I... all it is It is literally about which book has sold the most copies in america that week or month so they're the official arbiters of like book sales well i don't think they're official but that's what that list is. Do you think if there was a really controversial book, and I'm not about to start guessing or making suggestions for what that would be, but I'm just, you can imagine, anyone listening can imagine what a controversial book in their mind is, or the most controversial could be. Uh, I mean, it's not controversial that he thinks that, it's just that we all hate him unanimously. <laughs> most people, most reasonable people hate him for it anyway, but whatever you can imagine, being the most controversial thing that, like, 50% of people would hate you for endorsing and the other 50% would love you for it. Like that kind of some yeah. would like boycott the New York Times if they put their name on it and the other half would like love them forever. By the would way, would they still do that? The name that I used and the fake book title I made up, mm-hmm. that needs to be bleeped out. We cannot. <laughs> we cannot have that man's rage focused on us. So I mean, I couldn't give a shit. It's just going to tweet and I I don't even have Twitter, so <laughs> No me neither. <laughs> but cares? again, we don't want that. We don't want that shit. I mean I'll bleep out for you as the suggestion, but I, and I'll cut this part as well. But I'll just... No, leave the leave the discussion about it in. I just don't want I just don't want that, that actual person's name to be heard coming out of my mouth. Okay. Well I'll I shouldn't s- have said it. I'll say for one thing, he's a prick. Like hey! uncontroversial. And pretty brave of me to say it if I do say so myself. Oh, very I'm... brave. No, I, I imagine that if it was popular I mean, there are different categories, aren't there? I, so you're talking about someone who doesn't know anything about books so i'm genuinely asking you this stuff no i think the new york times bestsellers list is literally just them reporting on which book is selling the most i thought it was like oprah's thing because i did hear oprah's thing was very much like a book of the week kind of like well, if you get called, the oprah book then... but that's called oprah's picks and yeah. it's literally just her picking a book yeah whereas the new york times bestsellers list is a list of fifth the top 50 books in order of which one sold the most copies to the fewest copies. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Is like, are they, are they keeping to the, the ethics of, like, we must report the factual numbers of yeah, the books of that are being sold? Well, I uh, I don't know, because in New York Times, they're just a newspaper to me. Like, we don't get it here in Norwich. <laughs> we get the equivalent of the Norwich Times, and it's normally like, Seagull attacked a man, and he punched it or something. I will never forget when I was a student in Manchester, me and my friend used to send each other the headlines back and forth. So he would get a copy of the EDP and show me what was on the front page. And I would show him the Manchester, it might even just be the Manchester Evening News. And it was always so funny, the sheer difference between what was making headlines in Manchester mm. and what was making headlines in Norfolk. I think at one point I've genuinely seen one that was like, man's been blown over by wi- by strong wind. The one I'll never forget, and this is really tragic, he sent me a head... The, the front page of the EDP that day was a bloke who had a bunch of frogs stuck under his deck and the one in Manchester was a student who'd gone missing. And it was like, yeah. fucking hell! <laughs> Pretty different. And that might just be down to like population size. Yeah, like, absolutely. What's no, going to filter entirely is the most important down to that one. one. But no, yeah, um, it's kind of wild that this hit the bestsellers list because i mean the internet does have this really fascinating capacity to take traditional pieces of media that are of interest to them and push them to the top of these kind of lists like john green's books are a really great example right um and that's he he started off he obviously developed fame on the internet from youtube and i assume he was just like hey i've got a book out to all his internet fans yeah so he was a novelist he was a published novelist right but his books were not in the new york times bestsellers list they certainly weren't at number one Hmm. um and when he published paper towns he had an audience on youtube and paper towns did notably better than looking for alaska had done and by the time the fault in our stars came out his youtube audience pushed that book into the fucking stratosphere Right, like it was at the top of the New York Times bestsellers list for weeks and remained in the list for years. Mm. Um, and so it kind of makes sense that something that has a cult following like this on the internet, that they would be able to drive enough sales of a physical book mm. to get it into the bestsellers list. And it's, but it's, it's interesting how much of a transfer there was from like, look at this YouTube video of a of a YouTuber getting s- jump scared by a game and then going like. I want to read a, a novel of the lore of the backstory of these games. Like, it's interesting Yeah, it is a jump, isn't it? I agree. And just so we mention as well, there's also uh, credits for this comic to a Claudia Schroeder, who apparently is the art, I'll say, I don't know if it's specifically penciling or illustration, but I'll, uh, yeah. yeah, art, shall we say. She's the only one credited with the art, so let's say all the art. And a Kira Breed Risley or Risley, who may have helped write the novel or maybe just the comic. It doesn't specify. But those are the people who are credited with the comic at the very least. And I think. What did you think of the art? I, that was an interesting one to kind of discern because it's a very unique style and. Super cartoony. Very cartoony. I feel like it's this odd art style for the, for the topic. When I when I then looked at footage of the game, it was quite clearly a massive divergence from the way that the games look. Yes, at best I can say there is a bit of a at times there's a bit of a creepy juxtaposition between what's happening in the page and the art style. So like when it is quite a cartoony thing, when there's a sometimes there's little bits of like dread or ominous feeling, and the juxtaposition of the cartoony style with that can can work at times. But I thought for the most part it felt very odd and un it felt unsuitable for the topics that was happening. Like yeah. when they're trying to do these meant to be scary parts later in the comic, it felt a bit like, yeah, but this is cartoony and you know, these yeah, it it didn't really fit. Cognitive dissonance. Yes. Is the expression that I would use for it. experiencing the kind of two opposite things at the same time is that yeah absolutely yeah the arts the arts the art sat in quite stark juxtaposition to what was going on on the page yes um and but again the whole tone of the comic book was really not very well nailed down hmm. i mean it was all square speech and thought bubbles which oh yeah it was wasn't it which just felt like a intentionally contrarian kind of attempt like Thing to we're do. doing something different yeah and i know maybe there i don't know of any other comics that explicitly only do squares i not think of one it was so yeah i mean to, to to actually let's get into the art style let's really talk about it so look very bright lots of quite bold color yeah which given that most of the comic book is set in a disused like derelict building Mm. it it felt too bright like it didn't really feel like they captured what they were trying to capture no the dingy derelict parts were just dark like that was it but it felt like it maybe this is the kind of story that i think would have benefited from art style of like of like maniac or neighbors or something like that well and and this is the thing isn't it a lot of the horror stuff we've read has had this very kind of realistic quite gritty art Whereas mm. this went for something much more cartoony and I feel like it missed the mark a little bit. I, I liked the way the characters were rendered. So I thought they were all quite expressive and the character models themselves all looked distinct. I could always tell who I was looking at. Mm. Um, which again, you'd think that would be a given with comic books. But it's not necessarily been a given with everything that we've read, is it? No, and that is definitely a point. I do think that the characters being like looking different enough to be recognisable is something that we wouldn't even th- consider of being an issue until we read <laughs> it, comics that didn't do that a the good ones. enough job of that. ones, and I think there's a couple of others as well, which, again, if, if you do everything else, great. This could be like the one thing you don't do well. The fact that it does this well, like the characters <laughs> are very recognizable. I think the art delivered on what it was asked to do. Yeah, What it was provided to do, it did that job. I feel like, I'd describe it as being too cartoony. I feel like maybe if it was, more cartoony or a bit more over the top bright and cheerful that would have maybe worked a bit better it with the horror bit, elements it was a bit middling wasn't it yeah but it felt very very simplistic i feel like this might have been like in terms of like the larger shots of like buildings or backgrounds this was probably some of the simplest art we've ever yeah, seen Yeah, super and- low detail and it wasn't and i think The thing that makes it super low detail is that it wasn't particularly heavily shaded. Hmm. And so there's a lot of like big blocks of color, which, again, just makes something feel like it's not been rendered in much detail. Hmm. And again, that's clear. Like, it's clearly what they were going for. It's not like John Romita Jr.'s Spider Man, where he was very obviously aiming for something and not hitting the mark. Hmm. Like, it absolutely hits the mark for what it was aiming for, doesn't it? Yes, the the characters have the proportions are within the style, consistent style of like these cartoony proportions. Yeah, and, and the characters are proportioned really well, and the backgrounds look okay. Um, I think the animatronics themselves look good. Well, the animatronics, they at least, they had, it's like you've said before, they had that ready to go and they just had to transfer them into this style. Yeah. So they they already had like, these are what they look like. You've just got to put them in here. And I, I almost get the feeling that, and again, if you are Claudia, what's her name? Claudia Schroeder. If you are Claudia Schroeder and somebody tweets you this this podcast and you listen to it and us being very critical of your artwork... Please tell me if I'm wrong or not, but it kind of feels as though, because the core of the intellectual property was those animatronics, those puppets, the whole art style was built from them out, because they are probably the best looking thing on the page at any point that they're there. Mm. But then, from the first game, I remember specifically, and also the uh, the games after as well, those ones have more of a darkened, muted colour look, which could have, you could have gone, I think, in different ways. Yeah. Like... You know, in uh, there's some comics I think we've read where it's like, or in um, best thing, Spider-Verse, uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse, the the Mars Morales film, yep. when they're jumping between universes in that, or you're seeing characters from different universes, I feel like you could take the animatronics and you could take that design and then go a- any other way. But mm. so the video games was 3D modeled, like kind of realistic-ish look and this is very cartoony look so i feel like you could go in any way you could define the style and you could use those as like maybe a key point it's like here's what these animatronics look in this style and then someone's gone right we'll go with that make the rest of the comic now that style that's what i mean yeah Yeah. that's what i was saying so that like the the way that they could just be transferred into any style almost yeah no they could and they could have they could have taken it to a different place and i think one of the things that we've commented on being really effective in the horror genre over the past like four weeks that we've been doing this Mm. now is that the art style is really cognizant with it. Yeah, And when the art style is really congruent with what's happening in the story, that's what makes something like Maniac or Neighbours as effective as they were, even though Neighbours wasn't quite as effective as Maniac. Mm. But here, the art style is super incongruent with what's actually the story that's being presented. Yeah. And I, and again, like I, I agree with you. I think it's an interesting creative choice that they've done that, but I don't think it hits the mark for me. Yeah, and that's, for me as well, the simplicity of it kind of was always like a, a drawing thing. Like it always yeah. kind of shifted my attention. And I just want to be clear, anyone's art of any comic is a hundred times better than anything I could ever, like, I always feel I need to be like, I respect anyone's ability to make and produce a comic book in any yeah. sense. So when I say I'm not like, I never want to feel like someone's like, like just taking a bit, so ever just trying to give like a here's how as a reader I experienced it on this end. Yeah. So it's definitely way better than anything I could ever make, but that's... yeah. But we're not we're not artists, no. And and you're allowed to have a critical opinion about something mm. that you can't. But some of the backgrounds felt like, and again, this isn't. i have generally this sounds like an insult. I'm trying to. I hope this comes across as like a very like for like comparison. Some of the backgrounds felt like they were made by a very talented person on, like, Microsoft Paint. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, an extremely talented person. <laughs> the level of that burn. <laughs> Again, I generally mean, I think the colors and the contrast, that feels like that Microsoft Paint-like <laughs> thing. And also, it's the way that the, the lining and the stuff, um, very kind of hand-drawn, like, or it feels kind of like hand-drawn, like, sh- like lines and stuff that I think you would do in like a computer programme. When I say Microsoft Paint, I just mean like any computer based drawing. Oh well, this is 100 percent obviously drawn digitally. Mm. This isn't painted, is it? Um I do think the panel layout is I would say is a, a negative choice.
1: Oh did you not like <laughs> it?
0: There's a lot of white background where they just they have a character doing something but they don't bother putting in the background. And that kind of distracted yeah. me quite a bit. And then the actual like panels is sometimes it works with like the larger panels and sometimes it again there's so like every almost every other page has like just a white background part so i'm kind i don't of, remember the white backgrounds can you show me yeah so i hadn't noticed the white backgrounds but now that you point them out to me they are galling aren't they yeah and again there's some interesting stuff with some of the backgrounds especially in the indoor background parts yeah where the colors become a bit darker and more muted and that's where the terror kind of right meant to intentionally rise up a little bit and then you've just got a white background which almost kind of brings too much brightness but we've got a story where you're expecting jump scares right and so Mm. a whole aspect of that is where characters are in relation to the things that are chasing them yes and if you put them on a white background you take away a sense of that and so i can see why you might want to do that but i don't do you know what i mean like i just yeah it's an interesting creative choice isn't it I can't... The only thing I could think is it just saves you a panel doing the background for. Yeah. And I I feel like that's a bit, like, callous to be like, oh, they probably did it because of that. Like, I don't want to think that's actually it. It's just the only possible reason I could think of. Who publishes this? Uh... Do you know? Because I think that'll give us an indication as to how much money was spent on it. Because this is the other thing, isn't it? Is that this is being made by... An indie game developer who went on to publish a few novels, and I imagine there was a few quid floating about from one of the novels hitting the bestsellers list, but even then, a lot of the stuff we read has a huge budget because the company that makes it is owned by Disney. Apparently published by Scholastic Incorporated Publishers, Ooh, I don't know nearly enough about book publishing to know if that's significant or not. Scholastic are a publisher that publish a lot of textbooks. I mean, maybe, maybe somewhat related I think there's a Scholastic book right behind you I mean, there's a bunch of books right behind me Well, yeah, we do record in front of my bookshelves, don't we? Although, bit of a relief for us and listeners alike Uh, Apparently the book is a work of fiction So we we can take
1: solace in the fact
0: (laughs) No animatronics coming after us (laughs) Not yet Well, not currently I mean, AI This... The fact that uh, I should have mentioned, I forgot to mention earlier, you know what I said about there's eras of the games? Yeah. We're in the era now of the evil AI. Like, oh, f- Friday, f- Five me. Nights at Freddy's has gone to the evil AI part. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? But, oh, God. I Ryan. mean, if I explain to you how they got there, you might not be saying it makes as much sense then. I don't think I want to know. You probably don't. I'll send you a link to a YouTube... I'll send you a link to an hour-long YouTube video, and that'll tell you there. Which I'm definitely going to spend an hour of my life watching. Absolutely, then I'll quiz you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> did you pay attention to the part where... You know, that, that did, kind did you of pay thing. attention to the part where Freddy used a butcher's cleaver instead of an eight-inch chef's knife? I don't think he actually uses weapons. Oh. I mean, I, I don't think so. He has a guitar that he plays, like, as an electronic, but I don't think he's ever used it as a weapon. So... Is the fact that some of the suits just, like, shank you up canon? Well, as in attack you or attack people? No, that you can put a suit on a human and then from the inside it shanks them up. So here's the thing. That was a big part of, I think, the third game where it was revealed that that's what happened to, uh, to an evil character. So in the games, you are a security guard just trying to survive the night and make it through the week yeah like and then it evolves a bit more in the different (laughs) slightly different settings but with the same basic mechanic right yeah and then the backstory is like in these like mini games that you play in between levels right so it has like an eight bit game where it's like oh you're playing as this weird character and like oh there's like a crying child like that's gonna be context there that you're playing the arcade games that are in the no it's genuinely like the you are just playing these games as like mysterious shows of the lore and backstory. Like, it's not canon that you're playing the games or anything. You are just insecure. It's just like, you've completed this level, you're about to start the next level, Oh, it's gone static, Oh, you're playing a game, it's all mysterious, what's gonna happen? Then it jump scares you at the end of the the, at the end of the minigame. But the point is, the bad guy, who again, what I said earlier, this may or may not break the canon of the games by trying to incorporate this or not, but that bad character had that thing happen so he's basically being cornered by the souls of the kids who he murdered who were trapped in the animatronics and in the mini games you've played a spirit of one of the kids who's actually helped this is these mini games you play to get like the good ending and the good ending is the, the souls corner the bad guy make him go in the suit and he's like haha you can't get me in the suit and then it turns out the spring locks go and he gets killed like right. in this okay okay the problem is if you include this then either one of them is wrong like one of them is the wrong way it happened and one of them is the right way or the exact same thing with different named characters happened in a Friday, in a fazbear freddy's pizzeria so
1: yeah the fact that it
0: happens in the game one way but then happens <laughs> this way in another way it's like oh god, exactly. i think the best explanation which kind of solves everything is this is a story from within the the universe but not the same canon so like in the sense of like you know uh marvel and ultimate marvel like it's all marvel but they were different universes star wars and star wars legends not all that stuff but i don't think they're quite getting into like we've crossed dimensions oh my god it's it's freddy fazbear from earth 26 or whatever like i don't think they're going that. I mean they might they is might that do it how the next Star time. Wars stuff worked. I thought I thought they just they made it so the novelizations are myths that happen within the: that's the Star Wars way yeah yeah I don't think it's' done this way again, I think this is just these are just Oh when you were from... talking about Earth 27 you were talking about Marvel, weren't you? Like I, way, I was just way, like, way. general, like I mean Rick and Morty, like anything that does interdimensional stuff, yeah. or like this this story takes place in another dimension. I think this is just generally it's... like the books are their own thing and the games are their own thing. I mean, I think I think it's interesting when you get franchises that get to a point where they have like tiers of canon, because mm. there's a few that I hold quite dear to me. So the Song of Ice, Song of Ice and Fire there's a lot of canon there and a lot of lore Hmm. and that becomes really dense and you know like you need to read fire and blood and you need to read the duncan egg stories and he's released companion books and there's just a world of shit that you have to get through and then the the you know the cat thing things that are canonical in the books aren't necessarily canonical in the tv show Hmm. and it becomes really dense and i think That level of richness is really interesting once you're in the weeds of it. Right. But if I am on the outside of a franchise looking in, Mm. (laughs) like I am right now. Yeah. And somebody presents me with this many, this like tier all these tiered levels of canon, I sometimes go, you know what? Just too much too yeah, it's too much too early on. Yeah, I don't want this. Yeah. And I'm in no way advertising you should get on board or anything. I'm just telling you like we are dipping our toe in this franchise i'm just kind of giving you like the here's what it's generally like and i think i think it's interesting because that example song of ice and fire game of thrones they're six very long novels with a hmm. bunch of prequels and it's canon that's very carefully tailored by one guy right but what we're talking carefully about- is a strong word to use in this instance well, George R. R. Martin. No, George no, R. R. Martin, I thought I thought you meant Scott Cawthorn in this. So. No, I mean George, in Song of Ice and Fire. Right, right. Like, George sorry. R. Martin's been sorry, really. Take that back. I thought you were talking about Five Nights. Yeah, George R. R. Martin's been really careful about the canon and yes. the lore and the history, and he's done a really great job of presenting it through um, other texts that go alongside them as companions and stuff like that. But this seems to be fan-driven. <laughs> this is very, very much so. Yes, and I suppose. It it puts us in a wider discussion about what the internet could, what the internet is capable of. Hmm. People on the internet en masse when they get interested enough in a topic topic. Hmm. I'll give you some examples of like what this kind of franchise like it's making, like yeah. how it kind of comes across. For one thing, I suspect that these books and novels that this comic is based off and all the other ones, I feel like the only reason they're popular is because they're about the franchise and story that people are already a fan of well yeah of course i no, but what i'm saying is i i suspect the writing quality is below par i i'm we would have to read some to kind of fully verify but i feel in my gut like that if i if i was a betting man a cash-in novelistic (laughs) adaptation that isn't very good ryan is it a cash-in if it's by the person who made it originally Oh yeah, thing, I mean they're cashing in on their own idea, aren't they? In a sense, but what I will say is apparently he does use the law, he does set up the law in like future games in the books. So right. people like guess the next game or stuff in it and they'll refer to the books and they've gotten it right. So or- if I'm being less cynical in the way I approach this, it makes a lot of sense that somebody who had created that would want to experience it in a bit more depth themselves. Yeah, and making some accompanying text to to expand the lore and backstory and i suppose you know you've done everything you can or done everything you want to achieve with the games and you go but people still have an appetite for this idea what is my next creative project yeah fuck it i've always fancied writing a novel let's have a pop
1: yeah and Um, he's wrote like
0: 10 of these novels so so really the novels are becoming more his kind of work yeah but here's the thing, and I've got a couple examples of this kind of stuff, right? One of the books, some of the books I think are like more anthology stories, so like oh, three cool. stories of within this universe. Yeah. One of them involves, I shit you not, and I just remembered this and I'm glad I did, a time-traveling ball pit.
1: <laughs>
0: that is not a joke. Okay. That is one of the stories. Okay. Even, even some of the fans are like, why? <laughs> to that yeah. part. Uh, It's still kind of horror themed still. Obviously animatronics and the pizzeria, but someone literally time travels. And he hasn't really explained why there was a bit of time travel. Do you know what? If you're going to write a time traveling ball pit into your Chuck E. Cheese themed horror series. Yep. I think the best thing you can do is not explain why you would do that. It would be it almost at this point feels like it'd be worse if you attempted a mild explanation. Yeah, like, because to be honest with you... There was a nuclear reactor next door and it just kind of leaked into the ball pit somehow. Well, when you get... But one, once, you, once you get into the weeds of time travel in fiction you then have to make some big choices about the way time travel functions Are we in doing franchise. Back to the Future? Are we doing Avengers? Are we doing Harry <laughs> fucking Potter? Yeah. Like, there there are times when it functions really quite well. I would say the Avengers is one of those. Like, I would they say... They do a relatively good job. Yeah, they, uh, they set their own rules. Back to the Future is questionable. Like, the kid hitting on his own mum, man. That's just dark. It, am I right in thinking Back to the Future is essentially just... It can happen because it's already happened. Yeah, kind of. They don't really change. They don't change anything. They do it as it was always meant to have happened. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Like even the der- the-, the derivations are like, no, no, that because you you succeed in the end because you wouldn't exist if you didn't. Is that yeah? Right? And and that and that's the way you know that the general consensus is that that's the way that time travel would work. Yeah, like if if you if you exist in a universe where time travel is possible, then you having travelled back in time is already part of the timeline you were in. And so mm. you doing that is necessary to maintain the timeline. The yeah. only, you can't create a paradox. You can only experience a paradox that was always there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, whereas Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> bad. No, I mean, that, isn't that that as well? No, Harry Potter's bad soup. Like, but isn't Harry, the whole Harry Potter thing is like, they time travel because they have their future selves already did it. Oh yeah, I suppose. So that's that one. And then, yeah, so that's that method of time travel. Mm. And then I suppose Back to the Future is one way you can create paradoxes, isn't it? I think par- Back to the Future, the paradox is already there. So maybe Harry Potter does a great job of it. Maybe J.K. Rowling... Oh, I don't want to have a positive I mean, it, opinion about J.K. Rowling. Yeah, but if she just took the Back to the Future <laughs> format, it. Sorry, actually created it. Yeah. I thought Avengers did a good job of being like, we are making multi We are making uh, parallel universes. If yeah. the, the branches make parallel universes. Yeah, and even going so far as to have people in one universe in the past being like, "Well, if you fuck off with the time stones, we're gonna be without them." And then one of the characters be like, "All right, we'll take them, we'll use them, and then we'll bring them back because it's time travel, so you ain't go. We'll be back instantly, and then you will put them back." The moment where Tony gets to meet his dad mm. as a younger man, kind of cool. Yeah, cool. Because part. you get a sense that his dad knows who he is. I'll tell you one thing though avengers breaks their time traveling rules at yeah. one point. One specific point they break their rules it's when captain america comes back old yes he was meant to come back on the platform yeah because he was on the bench being like he actually stayed in the past and grew old now he says like he would have done that in a different universe because he yeah. changed it by staying there so he could not have grown old in this universe where bucky and sam were waiting for him yeah so that's the one it all breaks apart if he had come back on that on that platform old perfect it would have been yeah. it would have been airtight time if travel. it have just hung if it had hung around for a few years and then popped up on the platform yes wasn't that a lovely moment though it was a, oh yeah i can see like why they did it like in the cinema when i was watching it i wasn't thinking about paradoxes it was only like days later when i was thinking about it. like oh yeah that doesn't make sense Although it was great it- in the moment does create this really funny idea of a universe in which Cap knows about all the world's atrocities, mm. and he is Captain America still, right? Like he's still super. He's I mean, he might hearts. have retired. Well, but, but this this is what I'm suggesting. It's the the timeline that he did that in mm. is a timeline whereby he knew about all the world's atrocities and was a hero, and just sat in his house with his missus going uh fuck 9 11 <laughs> well come on like i feel like captain he, america he knew he knew everything that was going to happen right but if you want to do the bit i'll do the bit it's like yeah captain america put his up. it's like i've done enough i've i've done my part
1: <laughs> if i
0: put my nerd glasses on or I'm pushing them up my nose and go actually well i suppose he did just save half the people in the universe well, no he? i think in that universe he he just tell peggy who was part of shield He'd be like, this is happening, oh, yeah. you guys handle it, I'll, I'll tell you everything that's going to happen, you guys go and take care of yeah. it. I put like, my feet up. It's like that, you know, um, Jesus Christ. Uh, the I Enigma- do know Jesus Christ. The, the, uh, <laughs> fuck off. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> I forget one thing. I can't recall one thing and you're just like straight on it. Um, Enigma. Yep. People who broke Enigma. the enigma Enigma. code yeah Yeah. um turing yeah turing and his team yep then had to be really quiet about it because Mm. of course if they intercepted if they if if they if they used it too often Mm. the germans would know and within a day there'd be a new code so they had to allow some successful bombings on like their their ships and stuff they had to allow a bunch of it because they had to and they couldn't tell senior command because senior command was just Take control of the machine mm. and use it. And so they made a decision that they wouldn't tell anyone that they'd mm. broken Enigma. And and they had to make the judgment call when something came along big enough, they were like, We will now reveal that we know that broke the code. But even ago. then it even then they were surreptitiously putting stuff in. They weren't actually telling anyone they've broken the code. It's wild. Mm. Like, and again, I'm not sure how much of that is just the Benedict cumberbatch batch film and it and how much of it is apocryphal and how much of it is genuinely history. But that concept of like having the power to save life, but knowing that you can save more life, but by not exercising it, it's just such a fascinating concept, isn't mm. it? And on a very big tangent, do you know Mark Wahlberg said that if he was on the 9/11 flights, he would have uh, beat the shit out of the terrorists and saved the day? <laughs> he said that. Did he? <laughs> in a public public forum? Did he? Yeah. he was like like, like, if i was on those planes i would have fucked up those terrorists and no one would have died mc marky mark said that oh yeah fuck me (laughs) that's ridiculous horrible event but at least we've got this one really stupid thing about mark warburg to laugh about Fuck me, do we actually know what happened on those flights or is it if they kept that that's another. i think that's another podcast well yeah uh, because you'd expect that either we know nothing or we'd have a really detailed blow by blow which is going to be the worst fucking biopic ever made. Do you know what I mean? Like some, some filmmaker somewhere is going to want to make a name for themselves and make a film about it. And you're like, come on, mate. I think they did it. They did like the post crash recovery of the buildings, that kind of thing, you know? Oh, have they done that? Oh yeah. They've done a couple of those. Yeah. Like the city coming together and, you know, like dealing with the aftermath and the rescue workers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a film out of it, but I know there's an actor who used to be a fire, a New York City fireman, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi it's, went the, and help, it's one of me? the top Reddit things that keeps getting mentioned, like di- to the point that it's now a joke in itself. Oh, is it the really? Jo- the joke that's is so funny. Typical Reddit, like, did you know Steve Buscemi was a was a firefighter and he helped 911? Like, yeah, that's wild. What um, I it? Helped. Helped frisk you <laughs> and deal with. <laughs> he didn't. No Yeah. He not wasn't involved. Straight, <laughs> he wasn't involved. Just to be clear. Um, but um, back to the comic. Back to the, back to the franchise. <laughs> it feels like we're looking at the whole franchise, in this. We'll get into the comic a little bit, but um. Well, I the, feel like we've already talked about the comic. It's not very good. Oh, I've got some. I've got some specific dialogue issues to. Because that was my biggest bugbear. But just to get some other examples of like the crazy storytelling that happens here. Yeah. Like there's time traveling ball pit is one thing <laughs> in the games one of one of the games had an ending where it ended with a lock box so a box with like two locks on it mm-hmm. and it basically had this kind of like some some character saying Ooh, it's not time to open this yet or something like this it was like i will fix you i'll put you back together something on like that and right. a lockbox. box so very obvious what's in the box what's in the box you know that thing yeah he never addressed it oh cool he never went back to it i mean i'm a fan of an unsolved mystery but it kind of feels a bit when flat. you're like Ooh, what's in the box and they just never <laughs> come back to it. this isn't like pulp fiction with the briefcase because that's just that was a fun thing for like yeah but that wasn't that was just a little side part wasn't it like that was a i love how he fin- finishes one game with what's in the box and the next game he's like time traveling ball pit let's go well that actually that was a book so oh right okay <laughs> sorry thing. yeah yeah but uh, you know example of that and one thing that i kind of remember as well is one of the latest games it's called security night i think big first person but big moving around a sandbox big fazbear mal type theme park kind of thing naturally bigger in the series yeah because it needed to get bigger i suppose Yeah. yeah that was the the latest one and like Still, Five Nights, but you know, whole new franchise within the within the story of the universe, or whatever. We're into like robots and AI and all that bollocks now. One thing I remember is I'm a big fan of the game reviewer, uh, Zero Punctuation. By yeah, Arty, a huge fan too. And. Ben yarty Croshaw. He described that game as one of the worst games he's ever played in his life, and I don't mean like. Doesn't he describe every game as one of the worst games he's ever played? He describes most of them as just generally bad. He yeah. said that he made that I think this his worst for the year, right? One of his cheers and cheers of the year, and not only not just on a this is a badly designed game or whatever, like as in the core concept or like what they were going for. It literally was like the buggiest game, like the most broken, throat freezing just badly produced game he's ever played and i feel like that's not far off a lot of the games generally like when they're, so simplest, they're not that well made when they're simplest so like the core mechanic of the first one was you are static in a room with controls and if you do the right things you keep the things from jumping out at you so in that sense he kind of nailed it there by balancing like the game and the story with the mechanics everything like that yeah by naturally having to make go bigger and bigger with each game, he's now got it to the point, like, it has to be a big open sandbox game now. It's like, you can't make those, or you can't make those well, put it that way. And there's going to be a lot of, if there's any, I'd be surprised, but if there's any actual, like, Five Nights at Freddy's proper fans listening, they're probably going to be pretty pissed off at what I'm saying right now. Cause right. for them, Are they for them, super it's, vocal? Th- for, yeah, for them, it's just, we love this shit, don't criticize it. I don't think they can actually def- defend some of the aspects but that for them if it's about five nights it's great so this is just to get across an idea of like even though this is a somewhat popular franchise or at the very least has a cult fan base i don't think any of it really stands (laughs) none of it's that good (laughs) none of it i don't think stands up by itself with personally with for me the exception of the first game is like a a well-made indie darling kind of video game yeah but shouldn't have taken off as much as it did. Past that, the lore yeah. is a mess. Some of the games aren't that great. I don't think the books are written that great. If I'm well, we don't know. Honest. We've not read them. We've not read them. But if this is why I was saying before, if the dialogue is the same in the comic as it is in the book, dialogue's piss poor. Yes, consistently I, bad. That was the worst part of it for me. I would say. Um, and the whole. Did you notice at the beginning? It doesn't. It did not bother to do a. Sometime earlier, after the flash forward and then flash back. Yeah, no, the timeline's all over the place. Normally that's like the basic, like, one week earlier. It 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 does that a couple times, but it doesn't consistently do it. I think, so it sets up, very obviously sets up, this interesting sub-narrative whereby Charlie's dad obviously owned Freddy's, Mm. and is obviously dead, and it becomes quite apparent that all the kids went missing out freddy's right some and some kids and enough to be one more than one and and, and, uh, enough that it would arise suspicions and there's an obvious interesting subplot there that like did her dad do it yeah and which i do think was not that clear well this is the thing they didn't do anything with it there is one moment where her and carlton the one who... Is it Carlton or is it the other lad? There's two blokes who look relatively similar. One of them's super into Charlie. The other one is... The one who's in Charlie thinner and Carlton, I think, was a bit wider. Yeah, so it's the other one. Yeah. And they're sat on her childhood bed. Mm. And he says, by the way, I don't think your dad did it. Right. And that's the only time we get to see that. Yeah. But obviously, a bunch of kids start going going missing in a creepy fucking pizza place with all these animatronics the key suspect would be the bloke who owns it. right? Yeah. yeah. And so they reference it and they're obviously get teeing up for it, but they don't do anything with it. And none of the other characters show any indication that they think her dad might be involved or that they're wary of her and in the way that they would be. Mm. And so they're setting up this kind of weird, slightly creepy, tragic backstory with Charlie where, you know, she was super involved in everything that happened in an indirect way, but they don't do anything with it. And then she just casually turns around to her friend who's been friends with her four years and she she has all this shared trauma with and goes, I had a twin brother. Yeah. And he's I'm, like, I know this exactly. Oh, did you? Yeah. And then they go to the original restaurant that her dad opened that her own brother disappeared from. And they're like, just super casually like, oh, should we go get some dinner and head back then? People are going to be worried about hmm. this. You're like what? None of like she's like she's like I think uh, he was I think my twin brother was kidnapped by the same guy who you saw. Anyway, should we race back? Should we race home? Yeah, like, it's in a it just- breath. Uh, yeah, and it just doesn't. Yeah, the whole plot of the thing doesn't make any sense, and none of the character motivations particularly make any sense. Tonally, it's extremely inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're all super willing to go back to Freddy's a bunch of times, and it's super easy to get into Freddy's. Hmm. And there's, they discover that there's a security guard working there as if somebody isn't employing this dude. And they built a mall around it and it's just like none of it makes a lick of fucking sense. I think this is literally trying and I, I, I strongly suspect and again maybe we'll have to get a copy of the book to verify this. I feel like the book is probably just this, like these events exactly and the same dialogue and everything. If it I mean... is, I feel like it was written in a way where it was just he kind of this Gawthon well, guy was just writing it, and then went, "Oh bollocks! I forgot. I need to. I need to foreshadow this part here." So he just goes back and just jams it in the dialogue. In like, yeah. "Oh shit! I need to. I need to make Charlie extremely uncomfortable and almost PTSD for this one line." And then she just goes back to fine, like she's like laughing. And someone's like, "Ooh, are we, should are we all right to mention Freddy's?" And she's like, "I'm fine. Don't worry about it." And then they're like mention something. It's like she's like, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm having a panic attack." And then she goes outside, and they're like, hey, what about we go to She's like, great idea. Love it. Let's go. It's like, yeah. it's, it's just her emotions switch constantly from like fine to distraught to laughing and joking. And uh, then she talks about when her dad died, and they all talk about it as if it's a suicide, but she says she went in the house and saw, and you see a panel of one of the animatronics with no mm. suit on it holding a knife. Yeah. And you're like, what? I mean, that's... Like, that would become, that should be so much more of a big deal in this creepy narrative you're trying to make. See, I, I think I was confused, but I think I took the wrong meaning from that. I immediately went to um, iRobot. You remember the Will Smith yeah, film? Yeah, yeah. I thought he's like, he sorry, set up an animatronic to stab sorry. I IRobot, the Will Smith film, mm. not the Isaac Asimov novel. No, the Will Smith film. Oh, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan. That's what I'm referencing. Oh, God. No i robot is a classic sci-fi novel written by as isaac asimov Who's like, it might no, have been before the film was made but now it's the Will well smith no it's film. not that it might have been it's that it is and it's it really was. brilliant it's really great and the will smith film is not that great it's now the source text so <laughs> the, the will smith film was <laughs> Brian, based on why would you do this to me why would you do these things to me why do you upset me like this should i come for you with um in a their their kind of way, but the theirs are they are they are. Oh no, no! It's not fair! It's not fair! Not fair! So in the Will Smith film, <laughs> it turns out that the creator got the robot to kill himself. I thought it was that. I thought yes. it was like he, he wanted to kill himself, but he couldn't. He didn't have the guts, so he made the animatronic. Well, I I think I've got the wrong idea now. Well, no, I think that makes sense because I mean, within the so. Within the context of the text, if we're believing everything that everybody's saying, and it's like... they Some use pe- they're quite literal at times. Yeah, and they use the word suicide a bunch of times. Then mm. we are to believe that he programmed one of his own animatronics to kill himself. But it just looked super brutal. Mm. But again, she, re- she recollects that memory and talks about her dead twin. And goes back to this place that would have been wholly traumatizing with such relative ease to the extent that the very last scene is her and this guy who tried to kiss her when she was six by Mm. the tree going to her dad's grave. And then he looks at her and goes, so are we going to see each other again? Mm. (laughs)
1: Like, what
0: the fuck is going on? That's not how you'd respond. You wouldn't be like, oh, I've taken this girl to her dad's grave. Let's see if I could get some fucking tail. I did not read that at all in that line. I think that might have been a if you had that in your head before you read <laughs> it kind of thing. I interpret it. Here's how I... Okay. If I was an actor, this is how I would have done the the line reading. I would have been like, are we ever going to see each other again? Like, a very like worried like friend of like, am I going to see you again? Kind of thing. I did not read that as like, the DTF. Like, I did so, not get that at all. Are we going to see each other again? Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> get that at all. Uh, that's all because... I don't, I don't know. I just... I thought that was like a genuine, like, uh, after like a was a destroy, you know, terrifying experience, and now it's all over, him generally wondering, is she just going to run away from the town again for years, or is he going to see her again? That's but what I got. Even that doesn't really make a whole lick of sense. It's clunky dialogue, for sure. I'm not defending on that way. I'm just saying I didn't get sexual overtones from it like you did. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Look, Ryan everything <laughs> you, know, you go in the um what's his name the psychologist freud, freud the freudian <laughs> room, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: i don't think that was a key tenant well it kind of was so i don't know it's was uh, his whole thing wasn't it basically well i mean to be honest with you freud's one of those who mm, people talk about freud without actually understanding a lick of what he wrote the problem <laughs> is some you tell him about your dream and he say it was about one thing when actually it was about your mother Wait, we, we, <laughs> we, Freud jokes, guys. One of my only psychologist jokes, sir. Uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, confused. What, confused? Because you want to have sex with your mum? No, confused about this text. Yeah, well, fucking A. Yeah. But no, it's just, yeah, no, I mean, we could, like, we could have a whole conversation about how poor the dialogue is. Oh, I've got notes. I've got examples. But at this point, I don't think it matters because... The dialogue is sitting within the context of a story, which in itself doesn't make any sense. So there's there's some beats that I'm like, this was clunky dialogue, but I see what they were trying to do. And then there's other parts where I'm like, what was I? Do you not understand how human conversation works? Like, so here's like one of the examples I made was at one point they're t- looking at the, the they've snuck into the old thing, which again is built on an old mal, but there's still ways into it, like which is which is very confusing in itself, but fine, I'll take that. Um, the one part they go, oh, oh, they're taller than I remember, standing next to the animatronics. They're taller yeah. than I remember. A few pages before, one of Charlie is like, oh, I remember hugging the animatronic. That was nice. And it's then like, they said, I never got that, You, it's that, because yeah. you never got that close to them. Yeah, so yeah. One of them says, they're taller than I remember. And then Charlie goes, oh, we know, because we never got that close to them. That's why they seem taller. It's like, you just said that you hugged them as a kid. And like, then she said that she hugged one and she got the yellow fur on it and they're like, Freddy's brown. Yep. Yeah. And that that later, I think that was a clunky way of implying something later on. Yeah, but the yellow rabbit was always the one being murdery. But the yellow bear, they suspect, was someone else. Or yeah, the dad. Well, this is the thing, though. What? E- exactly. <laughs> and, th- and these are, again, these are questions that are still being <laughs> posed by YouTubers who literally is their job to study this text and the games and try and determine the best guess right now is that there is what's known as a golden freddy who is like the two individual spirits that have been melded together within the golden freddy suit that's the leading theory right now and even even that is being debated and argued So, and that's just in the games. So, fuck knows if that's continued over to the books or not. Because we then get to a point where they say, oh, Michael's in the suit. You're Mm. like, okay. And then the policeman's like, well, I need to go. And super cash, everyone's smiling. And the policeman's like, oh, I need to go back in and recover my colleague. And we just watched a man die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He heard his screaming and everything. And he's like, so, Charlie, do you think we should, you know, do something about this? And then this presumably, like, adolescent, teenager Mm. young person says nah i I, think it's all i think i think we've put a bow on it and they're like cool no worries and you're like what (laughs) less paperwork (laughs) for me (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. And you're like (laughs) but we just had a revelation that a kid that we thought was dead for many years is in a suit in that building And and his own father no it's not his dad but like his friend's dad is like totally cool with not following up on that one and one of the police officers died and the a guy who was maybe Probably almost certainly responsible for the disappearance of children years ago. Is in there potentially dead. Yeah. And a bunch of teenagers have just killed him and the copper's like, Yeah, I'm not gonna look into any of this. (laughs) I tell you what. (laughs) It just is awful, right? It's so bad just to give it to you one thing i did like oh no go on then how the suit spring trap went off after it was taken off the the guy yeah after it came off carlson i did like the the, the display of like this is what would have happened if it would stayed on yeah and then that did feed into when it happened later to the to yeah the no guy. totally fine and i'm, giving, I'm that... giving like any part that worked for him like i gotta give it credit because i'm ripping it apart otherwise and the whole the, the thing with the cameras right obviously weirded me out a little bit until you've just explained to me that that was like a core gameplay loop in yeah. the original game. So that makes sense now. But the fact that they walked in and very quickly, Charlie was... So very quickly when they went back in, they just found Carlson on the floor. Mm. And you were like, you guys very nearly didn't bother. You guys were running around before this, weren't they? Or did they go yeah. straight to the cameras that time? The oh, third time? God, oh, man, man. I don't know. Who knows? It's, I mean, I literally finished reading this a couple of hours ago. Yeah, I finished reading this at half seven. We're now at half nine. Hmm. And I haven't got a scoop what happened in any of it anymore. Yeah. One thing, again, like, just going to my notes, I'm just finding all these inconsistencies. Like, like I said earlier, Charlie at one point was having PTSD at the mention of Five Nights of uh, at Freddy's Fazbear's <laughs> the Pizzeria. And, and then she went in and was just loving it. And then she's like, let's go back twice. Uh, twice uh... by choice and a third time by necessity. Yeah, it just and like the the way that her trauma is displayed is just nonsensical hmm. like she doesn't act like a person experiencing trauma and, and 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 that's not to say that there is any one way for a person to experience trauma there are um... Million different ways that trauma will manifest, and psychology is deeply complicated, and hmm. human beings are very complicated. But these human beings aren't very complicated, Ryan. It was literally one mention, yeah, and then it was flashbacks to her dad stuff. But it didn't. That was just kind of like here's What well, the backstory is? It never felt like this is the reason for her current day PTSD or anything. And we never really find out what happened to her mum. No, she's just she was just gone. Yeah, she was just yeah. gone. Like, her twin died, mum disappeared, dad died, aunt took her, mum's yeah. not in the picture anymore. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't... I'll give it another credit as well, uh, for one of you. The outline, the black outline or the shadow of the, of the rabbit costume, that I did think was, was at least looked creepy. Like, that was like in the kind of... It was doing what it was meant to do. Does it get the award for the, le- the, 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 the most perfectly formed turd? I give a little more than that, in the sense that it's like this piece of art is doing what it's meant to be doing. (laughs) Fair enough. I I, I'm I'm not here to try and find something I liked about this book. I'm more just kind of crediting like that. This was fine. This worked. I feel like when I'm shitting on the rest of it, I'll be like, that was fine. No, and we both do that. I think I think we're both guilty of that. But no, I just it not. It's fundamentally bad as a comic book. Fundamentally flawed as a story. I think yes. Um, I would be interested to see if what is happening here is that there was this beautifully complex narrative about trauma in the novel that, in be- being distilled down into a comic book, hasn't. I think gone the way well. it uses trauma in the books, from my very limited understanding, it's it's just this. It's like, oh, they don't like the mention of this part that hints to something in their backstory, and it's not an actual like display of trauma or anything like that, because to borrow the parlance of inception we're two dreams deep on this one mm. this is an adaptation of a novel which is in its own turn an adaptation of a video game right so we're like yeah it's an adaptation of an adaptation you often don't see that in media <laughs> i mean the, i feel like that's something more common these days yeah but no well no because you see you see one thing that's put into lots of different mediums right mm. the idea that somebody adapted a video game into a novel and then did a straight adaptation of that novel into a comic, a comic book, book yeah. instead of just writing a wholly independent comic based in the same universe mm. as the original game right yeah i would say when you said it about cash grab i think the com i think this comic book is a cash Grab. oh i i don't know enough to say whether the book is or not well we've not read it no it's that simple we're, we're talking about a book that neither of us have read and mm. i i don't want to speculate too much this guy could be a great writer and they, and they could be really great books. I mean, from what I've seen, I don't think so. Well, by all intents and purposes, he made a good video game. This is the thing: like he he was mm-hmm. a good enough creative that he made an interesting and compelling video game. From what you told me about it, it sounds like it had a good core gameplay loop. Yeah, if, which if is, you like that kind of thing, yeah, stress that. Um, and so, but yeah, the, this is just a really unsuccessful piece of fiction. Like I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, one of the things that I will look for when i'm reading and you know i think it's part of having an english degree is that i read with an eye towards metaphor Mm. and there's nothing really that interesting happening under the surface here like this is all plot this is meant to be a thriller or a horror and so it's really plot driven and really plot heavy the only parts i think that aren't plot are when charlie's being chased by animatronics yeah well that's all plot isn't it that's what but plot it's, is. it's attempting to take a bit of like Ooh, terror what's gonna happen and then it goes back to plot very quickly because they don't even like solve the problem of the animatronics or anything well no they don't make any attempt to because hmm. they they kind of have some revelations about what's going on there and then decide that it's all been resolved yeah it just doesn't <sighs> and uh, when it, I was... it gets solved beyond them yeah except charlie so charlie flicks the switch the switch on the costume that's like the most she does to affect the story, really, isn't she? And murdering who, whoever's in the costume without yeah. any inkling of who that might be. Yeah. Um, that could bad. have been Michael. <laughs> I think they know that it's the guy, Dave, the security guard. Well, do they? I think so. Is that made I, clear? I I, I, I'm going to say I think so. I can't be asked to go through an action. I don't load. know that that's made clear. And there is a point where somebody says, oh, I think that's Michael in the yellow rabbit costume. That's when he's talking about the no, the empty bear costume the yellow right, he's like i okay. think our dead friend childhood friend michael is in there, is in like his spirit but again obviously that's a really consistent thing from the game yeah and so to anybody who is a five nights at Freddy fan they'd be like oh i've been waiting for that that makes sense mm. but reading this as an isolated text mm. not, no, no indication not clear not of like no. the, the the suit doesn't do anything that would indicate that it's being possessed by their friend's soul I mean, it talks to him, but you just assume it's a person in a suit, don't you? Well, fucking A, yeah. yeah. And it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, what well, well, else doesn't make sense? There's one line where someone says, I can't even remember what the context is, but someone says, Lightning strikes twice, but not murder. Yeah, I remember that. What the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> like, well, yeah, because what they. What could you possibly mean? Because they consistently refer to Dave as being a serial killer. And so in that instance, murder unfortunately does strike twice murder happens probably more far more commonly than lightning in some degrees you know what really interested to know if there is because if there's a country in the world where there's more murder than there is lightning i would say globally there's more murders than lightning strikes do you think well because that only happens when there's like a storm cloud that's producing lightning so across the world murders all the time yeah even if you had a particularly spicy storm cloud but there's subtropical countries that have entire seasons where it's just basically rain storms all the time have we just discovered the new doors or windows what more murders or <laughs> lightning strikes what that, do you think that wouldn't be a great opener for tinder <laughs> <laughs> i mean now we're gonna have to try out anyway right give, give, but, us, give us your uh, phone <laughs> I also thought it was very weird when they got caught by the security guard who somehow didn't catch them the previous night, even though they made a lot of noise when they moved a bookshelf or something. Well, they were just bumbling about making a bunch of noise the entire time they were there the first time. And he didn't strike for some reason earlier, when he, yeah. and then he did later, but when he catches them and then Charlie's like, hang on a minute, guys, wait a minute, what if you came with us? And I, if I was with the group, I'd be like... That's the dumbest bargaining I've ever heard for this kind of situation. Yeah. If, you, if you're trespassing somewhere and the security guard goes, Oi, stop there. Is anyone's first thought going to be, hang on, trespass with us? But he does. No, <laughs> no that, that's, it should not have worked. Like This is a world apparently where that has a chance of working because it did. It reminds me of like the guards in Skyrim where it's like, Oi, I hear someone. Yeah. And they like bumble about in the corner of the room for a bit. That, the Skyrim guys, I think, make more sense.
1: <laughs> right, I, get why, I, get, I get why the security
0: guard did what he did. I get why... <laughs> do you? I get because like, he's caught them. And they're like, hey, come with us. He'd be like, I'm going to fucking murder these people anyway. Yeah, so I suppose they're clearly I'm, a bit too trusting. I might as well befriend them so they think I'm harmless or whatever. The fact that Charlie is like, hang on, before you do us in for justifiably trespassing when we shouldn't be, why don't you join us in our crime? Be like the police yeah. so if you were robbing a bank and the police stopped and you were like we'll cut you in if you join our gang and help i mean us rob that the bank. almost makes more sense because that is actually how that kind of stuff works yeah but i think like the police would at least be like I, I even if i wanted to i can't do it here now in front of it like you no, we open. need to go have a shady conversation in a downtown yeah. bar first you should have asked me this before <laughs> <laughs> you okay that you buy you pay the police off first exactly that's idiot Cr- criminals are getting stupid yes that's what I mean. There's a lot of weird, like, oh, we need to get from A to B. How do we make this happen? And then they're just doing stuff that doesn't make sense. Do you wonder if people moving away from using cash en masse is making it harder for police officers to take bribes? No, because they, they do them online now and they're, more, they're less traceable. It's like Bitcoin and stuff now, isn't it? Well, so you think or that, NFTs. So you, think that like, you pay them off in board apes. <laughs> there's just this, this these are worthless now <laughs> I just love the idea that like PC Plod is so that he can take bribes as a little card reader and like they you have a conversation and he just like punches a few numbers in and pushes it across the table and you just tap your cards. there's a larger joke there about the blatant cri- the blatant um corruption of police that they're just like yeah i've got a card reader for my bribes now like <laughs> well it's you- got its own account it's, it's <laughs> the account is called bribes and capital letters or something bribes with Zed. yeah <laughs> i'd more lean on that route than the cashless society part it's just like we're so blame we're just making it easy for ourselves <laughs> um also what i didn't understand was oh god are we still there's a couple of these all right how okay. do you have how does security guard when he's like oh the, if the spring traps go then they're gonna you know basically fuck you up and you know, tear your body apart and then the guy's like how do you know and he Basically reveals these scars on his body. It's like this is how I know. Yeah, I was like, we've been we've seen a bunch of times throughout the comic book. But I was like, I get like the foreshadowing stuff. Like, fair enough, that that's fine. But when he showed that off, and I was, and after having explained what they were in relation to, I was like, did you get impaled several times in the in the Sioux? If you did, you literally just said that will kill you very painfully and slowly. And it didn't kill him. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's happening? Is he undead? Because if he is, fine. That could track for this universe. Well, hundred percent, I clocked that as well. But by that point, because we're talking, that's right at the end of the second yeah, yeah, volume. Yeah. I was so checked out. Oh, this was yeah. This ugh. by that point, I'm just like collecting things to like basically point out. Is that it. the level? Is that the level at which you're enjoying this at that point? I think part of me was kind of like, how is this gonna turn? How is this gonna work out in relation to the the games and the stuff I already knew? That was like the the yeah. most interest I had was like, what are they gonna do here? So can you imagine what it must have been like for me with no knowledge of the games reading this comic book? I mean, I could imagine it just being like a really bad attempt at a horror story. Well, yeah, because it just, but again, you know, when you get into the like people being possessed, the the animatronics being possessed by the souls of the dead Mm. and the whole like logic of how the cameras work and stuff like that it all just didn't make any sense. And obviously now that we've talked about it, I'm like, right, so a Five Nights at Freddy's Fan would come into it with all this context, Yeah. And suddenly this story makes a a little more sense. Yeah, like, you've filled in a couple plot holes for me. But in general, the whole thing is just rife. Yes. And this is why I always say the value of having you as the, I don't know the previous stuff, does it still stand on its own? This comic book reminds me of these jeans that I keep seeing in TikToks where they have almost no material at the front. Yep. Right. So it's just the back of the jeans and then two little cuffs that hold them on at the ankles. It's like the reverse of Arseless Chaps. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, like the whole leg is exposed. Mm. And you go, at this point, the jean is more whole than it is jeans. Yeah. This comic book is more plot hole than it is plot. Yes. Like, just every... In, in big and small. Like, yeah, like, almost every utterance by every character. It's weird they say it like that. Like, those kind of things. Yeah, and it just kind of, like, every, every, every kind of plot revelation you have introduces more questions than it does answers hmm. in a really bad way. Because that can be really fun and really interesting if you've got this really intricate plot and you're like, wow, everything I find out gives me more questions. Whereas here it's like, no, everyth- everything that I find out is incongruent with everything that came before and doesn't make any sense. Mm. What I'm realising is that that is exactly what the people who are into this franchise want. Mm. Because it seems like half the fun of being a Five Nights at Freddy's fan is creating headcanon around the lore and finding ways to fill in these plot holes. And this book, it gives them plenty of material to do that with. I would say you're almost nailing on the head. I would only slightly amend it to to be right in the next thing. So yeah. to have your headcanon confirmed, or your theory confirmed?: Yeah. And I think it's the similar kind of thing of like reading it and be like, "Ooh, this part is going to be called back to later in this." to the point where I just realized one of my last notes was, "Did we resolve the twin brother storyline?": No no, no,, no. And here's the thing as well. One thing that should be mentioned is this is the first of a th- trilogy of books. So only t- I could only find two of them, though. Yeah, no, exa- yeah. I think that we've only had two comic adaptations. There, mm. there might be more. There's going to be more of this. I, maybe. I mean, there's like 10 books.
1: So oh, maybe.
0: God. When, when did this come out? Uh, 2020. So a few years ago. So they only started doing the comic adaptations like three years ago. I think the first book came out earlier than God, that. God, imagine you're in a global pandemic <laughs> and you spend money on a comic book to take you out of the awful things that are happening. And you end up reading this. To be fair, this could distract you from from like a pandemic or whatever because you're just like why are they saying it like this like no it's just i more think if i was reading this during the pandemic i'd be like right can we put the news on please yeah something <laughs> less depressing <laughs> literally the only reason i mentioned this is first of a trilogy is there's some more obviously there's some more stuff happens in this story to this character in this trilogy of books yeah but the difference is if you had a story like book story it was like Ooh, I can't wait to see the second one because then they'll resolve this mystery. Normally, to like the the twin brother thing, normally you'd have something in the first book to indicate <laughs> we are going to get to it in the second book. So normally, at the end, there would be like Charlie would be like, "Oh, it's a shame. Uh, maybe that guy also uh, took my brother, and maybe maybe he might not be dead. Maybe he might still be alive or something." And then another character goes like, "Oh, I guess we'll have to wait and see, and maybe." Maybe something will reveal about that in the next book. You know? And it didn't even bother doing that. Yeah, I don't know. Here's one last little thing. Okay, is it going to make me happy or more sad? I I think you might find it funny, but not in a good... I don't know. Let's see. I'm bracing myself. I'm fairly certain from watching the videos who... Again, like the, the theory YouTube videos using the books to predict the stuff in the games. Yeah. I'm almost certain... And I might double check this may after this, maybe not. I'm almost certain that a reveal that happens in this trilogy is that Charlie turns out to herself be an animatronic. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. And specifically. Is it when that is it when that bloke tries to give her a length? What? T- <laughs> what part are you talking about? Well, at some point, her matey, who got horny in the graveyard. The one who asked her if he'd ever see her again in a solemn, friendly way. No, he was <laughs> fucking thirsty. Let's I, let's just get this out there. That was pure thirst talking. Did you ever see this? Is a, this sounds like a massive tangent. Did you ever see? You know the band Twisted Sister. Did the, the <laughs> did the song? I know where you're going? I you know, know where you're going with this. They testified in front of Congress to parents who thought their <sighs> lyrics were too obscene and dirty for children and they yeah. the parents pointed to one of their songs and said see it talks about like knives and cutting and sedation and or, drugs and all these things this is this should be banned and then the band testified of congress and they were like that song is about our drummer's surgery uh we didn't know if he was going to make it or not and so the song is about surgical <laughs> stuff and the guy basically said if you're reading sexual stuff into this or whatever that's probably more on you as the listener than us as the band. Yeah, what I'm saying is, if you're overreading sexual overtones in this book, I don't think that's the book's fault. It's one of the few things that I won't call the book out for doing. Are you trying to imply that I'm pervert? I'm just saying I think you're you've misinterpreted the tone in some parts, so and the- that's not necessarily your fault because the tone is everywhere. I think just the one place it didn't go was overly (laughs) sexual. So how do we have the character revelation that Charlie is an animatronic? All I know is... I don't remember this exact revelation. So her dad obviously made the animatronics. I think the reveal is something along the lines of he had a daughter, Charlie, who died. Obviously, is another dead kid because it's Five Nights at Freddy's. Can't throw a rock without him, a dead kid in this universe. Yeah, fucking A. And he then makes animatronics and and builds like ai enough so they believe they're real but he can only make them they can't grow so he makes like a baby one and then a young child one and then a teenager one do you reckon that's the point at which his wife left him i mean (laughs) he's spending too much time in the baseman working on animatronics and then one of them stabs him maybe that one is one of the charlies oh pictures. that's grown-up charlie yeah, it could be oh we we've we've spent an hour talking about five nights at friends we're, we're, yeah, yeah, we're, we're already yeah we're already making stuff up we're on board now we,
1: yeah. <laughs> we love this franchise now <laughs> oh fuck off yeah, yeah i thought
0: i thought you'd have, oh. that's on the level of like time traveling ball pit isn't it yeah it's just right up there yeah so, what do we think of this? Would we recommend it? Not at all. I think no. it's the worst one we've done in this month. And to wrap up spooky season, we should rank rank what we've done. Yeah. So, Maniac of New York is the best. Yep. Uh, Harrower after that. Second. <sighs> Which one? Harrower was the the serial killer. The you you call it the hot fuzz ending. I don't know if it would be Harrower or Neighbors. I think Harrower is a bit better than Neighbors. Okay. Yeah. So, M- Maniac of New York, Harrower, Neighbors. And then what's the worst, Five Nights or Spider-Man One More Day? (laughs) Oh, this beats out Spider-Man One More Day. Like, this is worse than Spider-Man. Okay, fair enough. This is worse than the worst superhero comic. Do you not think? I mean, I'm I'm not saying it's definite one way or the other. I'm saying there's a debate to be had, I think. Because with Spider-Man, it has, like, is it a worse thing when the level of Spider-Man comics generally was at least high enough that One More Day brought it down and destroyed it this is normal five nights of freddy's like this is like spider-man one more day was a big swing and a miss yes like we when we talked about it we talked about the fact that actually the middle of the comic was really interesting mm. and there was a lot in there that could have been great had it just been a little bit better in different places so is it more bittersweet that it could have been good and fumbled the ending and not just fumbled the ending but Studio or you know publisher interfere into like we need to make these changes and it's going to be bad to the point the writer wanted his name taken off one more day Scott cawthorne is still proudly just he's, <laughs> he's like I wrote this <laughs> I think that makes it worse I think this is worse I think this That's is fair. the worst That's fair. I'm not disagreeing with you I'm just this saying, is the one's bad yeah yeah I could say that. Although this has far more of a fan base than the ones franchise did. Oh yeah, we're, they're going to And the ones that attempted to franchise, I don't know if they actually did or not, but the ones attempted to franchise by literally saying at the end of the comic, is this a franchise now <laughs> or yeah. something? Yeah, God, it was bad, wasn't it? Yeah. No, yeah, this is the worst one we've read. Okay. I think the only one that really gets my wreck do, you know do you know what's terrible? Mm. Even though this is bad, this is so bad that it's better than the Rick and Morty comic we read. So that's an interesting thing because I read a few of the later Rick and Morty comics. Oh, I hit I, I they're they like better. better. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: They definitely got better. I think what it was, the so in the first ones... The one we read was a little soulless, wasn't it? Yeah. The first ones, they tried to just make like what they imagined a Rick and Morty comic would look like. Yeah. And it was just a very... It was a quick-paced story that didn't really bother... Going anywhere. It only went somewhere in the sense of like, let's continue the story. When I jumped to the next right to start from volume three onwards they then started being a bit more um like slower paced story and actually took the time to tell the story of the characters it also didn't attempt to be funny or make jokes which sounds almost antithetical for no, Rick and no it comic, makes sense i get it but the humor was in like just naturally derived from the characters yeah. the first ones we read it felt like and then Rick says a Rick thing, and then Morty says a Morty thing, and then Beth and Jerry have Which couples is things. kind of the way that the show runs. <laughs> I think that's how the show runs originally. Oh, man. And it evolved from there. So since we talked about Rick and Morty, I've watched the trailer for the new season. I've seen the, seen the first episode. Oh, is it out? Yeah, just came out. So I've experienced the voices now, mm. and it's like, oh, they're just kind of... The same. They're the same, but not as good. I found in the first episode, so it's a very Rick-heavy episode, you don't mm. get as much of Morty, except for the beginning. After a while, I completely forgot. Like, I, it didn't even... Do they phase. reference it? No, don't reference it at they all. They don't reference it? No. Oh, I mean, that's kind of classy. That's kind of classy. I mean, it's, it's not as good as um, Solar Opposites that I told you how they did it with the, the voice changing Ray. I'll show you the clip afterwards, but... Okay. Basically- I mean, like, when Big Mouth did it with Missy, they reference it. Yeah, and they, but they also mixed it slowly over time, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, they, they. literally had the the both actors did the same lines and they mixed them together so, and slowly changed the percentage. So when like ten percent, like ninety percent original character uh, actor, ten percent new actor, and that slowly they actually changed. do yeah, that. It's slowly That's really changed clever, the, yeah. and you can tell when you listen to it that if over the series, at the start of the series, it's very heavy, heavier the original actor. And then it slowly on a scale shifts to the new actor. So the point was, it was trying to slowly bring people aboard over a season rather than just changing it mid-se- between seasons. Because they it. didn't get counsel for it. They just made an executive decision that we need to have a black woman play this th- black character. I think the actor, the actor, the actress, the original one, um, who I can't remember. I mean, I would say, like, the person who played the voice, I can't remember their name, but they are in a lot of stuff. I know them mainly for playing the. <laughs> terrible sister in parks and recreations oh shit who does the money please from um yeah, 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 yeah. From, the, from the guy who played the fonts his yeah, character yeah. so weirdly you we talked about you just i said actor, to you said actress did mm. you know actress is now an antiquated term i did not i did not receive the update fell out of favor in the noughties really um yeah yeah 100 yeah, nobody like they're all actors now but they still use like actress in like a- academy award yeah yeah of. the 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 categories in award ceremonies yeah. still Which is ridiculous because like I think Chris Rock put it best. He was like, Good thing they have this separated because the women can't act as 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 hard as the men can well, act. Well this is like. the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Seems ridiculous. But no, yeah, they're all actors now. But yeah, I um right, so back to the comic book. Yeah. Um the only one that I would recommend is Maniac. Yep. Of everything we read in Spooky Season, the one that like gets my recommendation is Maniac of New York. Um, I think I would really like to come back to that one next year mm-hmm. Yep, and read the second volume and maybe even read the whole thing and really do a deep dive into the whole series, talk about it holistically. Like, I found that one really interesting. Mm. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, the Harrow is kind of fun, but I'd just watch Hot Fuzz instead. Uh, <laughs> Harrow, uh, if you like the that trope or that um, the teen slasher, yeah. that one, it's a good deconstruction of that. Yeah. And then Neighbours was fine. Um, but no, how do you feel about Spooky Season? Have you enjoyed it? I think it's gone well overall. I think we've got a, quite a bit of diversity across the way. Like... Well, I now feel like I can quite, with a certain level of, of authority, talk about horror comics, mm. which I didn't have a Scooby-Doo about to start with. So I definitely Scooby-Doo like, being a pivotal horror character trope. <laughs> right. You can't, every, every, whenever I do a good one, you can't, <laughs> like, you should just let it fly under. Do you know what I mean? I just assumed that's your the Cockney rhyming that you always do. Well, yeah, but it was. I didn't have a bloody Scooby's. I got yeah. Scoob. Yeah, yeah, but it was good. But it did, but this time it worked. <laughs> <laughs> this time it's appropriate. Yeah, um, but no. So thank you for joining us for the or... last ever spooky season until 2024. Yes if the podcast lasts that long yeah well, fucking one end. of us could die jesus
1: christ <laughs> ryan
0: fuck me it's always a possibility <sighs> we could be in final destination right now so i have hypochondria <laughs> <laughs> um so if you do want to enter the comic literate halloween costume competition send a photograph of yourself in your halloween costume to comicliterate at gmail.com and we know you got the photos, because if you put the F in a costume, what's the point if you're not going to take a photo to put on Facebook or Instagram? Or... Yeah, absolutely. Do I sound and... like really old when I said Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one uses that anymore, old man. <laughs> um, you do get extra points if you can send us a screenshot of it uploaded to either MySpace or Bebo. Yeah. Um, We're and... all now on an app that you can't even pronounce. It's not, <laughs> it's not even got a word. It's a symbol. Oh. It's the Dylan Ryan. It's an umlaut above an e that's not there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an x. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Leave the us x sounds cool. <laughs> oh, fuck off. And then leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Five stars preferable. Don't care what you say. If it's really offensive, we'll read it out. Thanks so much for joining us for spooky season last one Um, we might have some spooky themed shorts in like a month or two whenever i get around to
1: (laughs) make them just in time for christmas really
0: incongruent yeah thanks so much for listening bye bye goodbye